Again, thank you so much for being with us, and I'd like to give a special shout out. One of the uh, highlights of the pandemic, and there hasn't been that many, right, of, a, of the pandemic, but one of the highlights is our connection with New Lisbon Correctional Institution, that they've become almost a multi-site of Crossview Church, and uh, the services are uh, broadcast there in all the different cells of that facility, and so uh, we just want to welcome you again, New Lisbon Correctional Institution. We're so glad you're with us, and you could join us as we worship the living God together. So thank you so much for being with us, and why don't those who are here present in the sanctuary, why don't we give them a hand of welcome, saying how much we appreciate them. There was a young man who was in college, and he was struggling his first year, first couple of semesters, and, and his dad, who was wealthy and had means, uh, said to him, you know what, I'm going to help motivate you, and, and if you uh, finish in the top five of your class, I will buy you a brand new car. And this student knew his dad was serious because his dad had an, enough means to do that, and so he pursued his studies really, really hard, and he, he put that in front of him as a motivator for the next three years and kind of just made his goal. And when he was feeling like, I don't want to study or I don't want to go to class, he'd, he'd remember that gift, that car, and he put it in front of him. He put a picture kind of on his mirror, and he said, I'm going to keep focused. And lo and behold, when he graduated, he graduated second in his class. After the graduation ceremony ended, he went to his dad's house. Uh, his dad brought him into his uh, home office and gave him a gift. It was a box that was wrapped in gift wrap and he opened up the gift wrap and opened the box and here he pulled out of the box was a Bible. And the Bible was a brand new beautiful leather Bible had his son's name embossed in the front and he looked at the Bible and all of a sudden his heart was filled with rage and he said, you bought me a Bible for my graduation, and he took the Bible, he chucked it on the floor, he walked out of there, his dad was trying to catch him, he said, I don't want to have anything to do with you, and he said, I'm never going to talk to you again the rest of my life, and he left, his dad tried calling, his dad tried texting, hey, come back, there's a misunderstanding, he blocked his dad's texts and calls, and he vowed he would never talk to him again couple weeks go by and his dad dies unexpectedly. Young man goes back to his dad's house because he was the executor of his estate and he walks in his office and he finds that Bible and he picks it up and he starts looking at it. He reads the presentation page that his dad wrote to him and then as he's holding it, an envelope falls out of the back. He picks up the envelope, he opens it and it's a letter from his dad telling him how proud he is of him and how he knows how hard he worked. And then the second piece of paper in the envelope was a letter from the local car dealership that said you could come and pick any car on the lot, it's yours because your dad paid for it in full. The young man missed the gift. In his pain, in his hurt, he missed the gift. And before we make him the villain, we need to realize that all of us are that young man. Every single one of us, myself included, is that young man because when life slaps us upside the head with painful and hurtful circumstances, we don't know how to react to that, and we miss this gift that God gave his people called lament. We've been in a series now the last four weeks called From Tears to Trust, where we're looking at the fact that all of us hurt. We all hurt. We all have pain, but we don't know what to do with that hurt and pain. 
We don't know how to handle it in a right, godly way, but God in his wisdom gave us this gift called lament that if we as God's people work through this process of lament to bring our pain before God, it is handled in a way that not only is healthy and good for us, but also brings us closer in our relationship with God. He's a perfect, good father that we sang about, and he knows how to instruct his kids in how to deal with the hardships of life. We've seen in this process that there's four practices to lament that we see in the scriptures. There's the turning to God. There's bringing your complaint. There's asking, which we talked about last week, and now we're finishing with the four-step trust. So that you turn to God, you bring your complaint, you ask and you trust. That's what lament looks like. And today we're in the final part of this series where we're going to look at trust. Some of you have emailed me and you've shared how this series has helped you, and that's been very, very encouraging. You've told me that it's been encouraging. I'm I'm glad. Uh, We kind of took a step of faith on this one, didn't know how it was going to go, but I think it's been very, very uh, instrumental in the life of Crossview Church, and so I'm glad for that. Some of you who are not the touchy-feely type said, oh, you're saying right now, thank God this is over. You know, and I just want to say, if that's you, this series was really, really good for you. I just want to say that. In fact, it was so good for you, we're going to extend it 12 more weeks. We're going to keep going so you can do that. I'm just kidding. So we're in this final part where we've talked about turning to God in our pain. We talked about being real and bringing our complaint. We've talked about asking, and now we're talking about trust. This is the hardest step for a couple reasons. One, sometimes people get caught in the process. They get stuck on complaint where they just pour out their complaint to God. Or they get stuck in the ask part. God, here's what I want you to do. And they never get to the trust part. Or they want to skip right when they're hitting pain right to trust. And here's what I want you to know. Your trust won't be real and authentic unless you first go through the turning, the complaining, and the asking. This is the final end of the process, but all practices are necessary. There's a book we've been looking at that's been helping us in this series called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogop. And the title of that I love because it describes lament so well. In the dark clouds of life, there is a deep mercy that grabs God's people and carries them through difficult times. And one of the things that we know is that God's people are not exempt from suffering. God's people are not exempt from suffering. There's some churches and uh, teachings out there that will say that. That God never wants his people to suffer. But I'm telling you, if you look at the Bible, there's no way you can come up with that conclusion. God's people are not exempt from hard times. During this time between when Jesus came and went to the cross and the time he will come again and set up his kingdom, in that in-between, we will experience difficult times. But it's for a purpose. One of the verses that has stuck out to me as we've gone through this series is, Lamentations 3, 32 to 33. It says, even he, talking about God, even he causes, if he causes suffering, he will show compassion according to the abundance of his faithful love. And we're going to talk about faithful love today. 
for he does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. He is a good, perfect father. He doesn't enjoy bringing through suffering and kind in, uh, upon mankind, but he knows there's a purpose and a value like a good father who would train his children to what's best for him. That's what God is doing. There's a purpose for our pain. And out of that good father's heart, when he knows he has to lead his people through painful, difficult times, he gives them a way to bring comfort in the midst of that trial. He gives them a way to bring healing in the midst of that trial, and that is called lament. Because here's the deal. Suffering refines what we trust in and how we talk about it. Suffering refines what we trust in and how we talk about it. When we go through suffering, it refines what we run to. And if we run to God, our relationship with him is refined, it's deepened, it grows. And then we are able to speak who he is. And it's out of a heart that's experienced his fatherness in the midst of difficult times. It's such a key thing. So to make the trust real, we have to walk through this thing called lament. If you have a Bible, open it up to Psalm 13. Either turn on your Bible to Psalm 13, or if you have a paper Bible, Psalms is about in the middle, maybe a little to the left. It begins with a P. Don't let that throw you. Psalm 13, we're going to take a peek at. And today, it's time to choose. Today, it's time to choose. In the process of lament, you turn to God, you uh, bring your complaint, you pour out your heart, you ask And the last part is once you've poured out all the pain, all the hurt, you are at that spot where you choose to trust. I've been praying for us as a church that this wouldn't be just a series that we'd stick on the shelf, but it'd be something that becomes ingrained in us as the people of God. That we would know how to lament well, that we know how to deal with pain and hurt. And one of the things I think the 2020 has exposed is sometimes the church did not know how to deal with pain in a very good way. And I'm hoping that now this process helps us. In the goal of lament, here we are, we're at the destination, the final part of this series. The goal of lament is a deeper trust in God. A deeper trust in God. Some get stuck in the complaint. Some get stuck in the ask. Some never move beyond that, what they want God to do for them. My hope for us is that it's different that we will move and become more spiritually mature, that we will take through all these processes but not get stuck, remembering that trusting in God is not just a one-time act. It's not like you pray this prayer of lament once and it's magically all good and that's it, it's done, it's finished. No, this is a process you go through again and again. You constantly bring lament to God because life is not that simple. Grief is not that simple. Lament is not this magic formula we perform and then poof, everything gets better again. What it is is it's something that leads us to trust and brings God into our suffering to help carry us. So what does trust look like? Some of you might be saying, well, that's kind of like a duh. But so many times we skip over terms and we don't even think about it. But what does trust look like? Trust looks like this. Trust looks like talking to God, sharing our complaints, seeking God's help, ask, and then recommitting ourselves to believe in who God is and what he has done, and don't miss this, 
even if the trial continues. Like I said, lament's not this thing that just makes everything better again and all the pain goes away. But what lament does is it helps remind us who God is and that he's alive and well in the midst of that pain and he promises to carry us through to the other side even when the trial continues. So how do Christians trust God in suffering? They lament. Let's look at how David did it in Psalm 13. I love Psalm 13 because in this psalm, it's short. There's, three verse, there's six verses total. And in all these verses, you see this process, turn, complaint, ask, and trust. And you see it so clearly. I'm going to encourage you as a church to mark Psalm 13. And when you go through pain, go back there often because it will just guide you through these series of lament that we talked about. The whole process is there. Verses 1 and 2 are the turning and complaint. Verses 3 and 4 are the ask. And verses 5 and 6 are the trust. And we're going to walk through these. So let's look at verses 1 and 2 right now of Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Remember I said when we earn that part of complaint, you can tell complaints in the Psalms by why questions and how questions. And right away, David jumps in here and, with, and he combines the turn and the complaint with these how questions. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He's being gut level honest. He's being real. He's pouring out his broken heart before God. He's very direct. He's not messing around. He's not playing a religious game. He's jumping right in. And what I want you to catch is his ability to lament well has created a deep intimacy with God. His ability to lament well has created this deep intimacy with God. That's why he goes and he just jumps right in and combines turn and complaint. Why does he put those two together? Because he has such intimacy with God, he could just jump right into that spot. We may not believe it, at the time of pain and suffering. But the truth is, we need intimacy with God more than we need relief from our pain and suffering. We may not believe it when we go through it, but the truth is, we as God's people need intimacy with God more than we need relief from our pain. And when we're going through pain, we immediately want relief. We're in the culture of no pain, just give us comfort, and we make comfort our God. And when we go through rough times, we just seek that comfort and want that God of comfort right away. But the truth is, God wants to use that pain to birth something amazing, a relationship with him that we can't even fathom that could be so real and honest. David shows us here that pain has a purpose. There's a purpose behind the pain. In verses 3 and 4, David shifts now, and we see him boldly asking, he says, consider me and answer, Lord my God. I remember when we talked last week, and I said, when you see the psalmist in lament, and they get to the ask part, they get so bold with their ask. Someone, you have to be careful with this, but someone called me and said, you know, it's like we have to be brassy askers. Careful. But we have to be bold with that. 
bold in our ass. Verse 3 says, consider me and answer. It's like he's commanding God to move. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. God, they're going to overpower me. God, they're going to do all this thing. Will you come and be my help? He boldly asked for that. We don't know exactly what's going on, but it's obvious that something is troubling him greatly. And I hope you're recognizing this pattern for when things trouble you greatly. I hope you're seeing this pattern of turning to God, bringing your complaint, and asking. If you haven't done this thing called lament, and you're part of the Crossview Church family, start to practice it. Because here's what I know of 2021. Pain and suffering is not going to go away completely. There will be times in the hearts and lives of Christians when we will go through pain and suffering and we have this gift that God gave us out of his goodness called lament to do something with the pain, to do it in a healthy, godly way. So many don't realize that life isn't easier as a Christian. In fact, it can be harder. And when that pain comes... God is using it for a divine purpose and lament helps us to embrace that. That we don't miss that. Check out this quote. God is working right now, but not so much to give us predictable, comfortable, and pleasurable lives. So many of us have been accepting the lie from the world that that's what our life should be. Predictable, comfortable, pleasurable. God, he isn't so much working to transform our circumstances as he is working through hard circumstances to transform us. I don't know if you're like me or not, but sometimes when I hit hard, painful times, I start praying, God, transform my circumstances, make this all go away. But God has a bigger purpose because of his love. And because of his love, he said, I'm, no, 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 I'm going to be with you in these hard circumstances. I'm not going to make them go away. But what I am going to do is I'm going to take these hard circumstances and use them to transform your life, to make you look more like my son, Jesus. Because that's my ultimate goal, is that you will be more like Jesus. Difficulties are not a sign of his inattention. So many people think that. My life is going bad. God hates me. He left me. Nothing could be further from the truth. Difficulties are not a sign of his inattention. They are sure signs of the seal of his redemptive love. You're going through difficulty because God loves you so much and he wants to shape you and form you into the image of his son and he knows that's what's best and pain is an instrument that can bring about a transformation that only pain can give. So many times we think we're going to transform ourselves and we're going to get there. Sometimes we have to go through pain to achieve what God wants to achieve In grace, he leads you where you didn't plan to go in order to produce in you what you cannot achieve on your own. There's a level of intimacy with God that only comes when God leads you as his child through a difficult time and meets you there. And he doesn't make it all go away, but he picks you up and he carries you. And in that being carried by your heavenly, loving Father, an intimacy is created that could not be created any other way. And it's even a greater thing than relief from all the pain. And we as a church, 
God is calling us as his people worldwide to lean into that, even when it feels foreign to us. Because a day is coming when Christ will return. And when he does, there will be no more suffering. There'll be no more pain. And his people who were faithful through this time will reign with him forever and ever in this paradise state. But in the meantime, when we experience pain, we turn, we give our complaint, and we ask. And then we do what David does next in these last two verses as we proclaim statements of trust. Notice the shift. Turn and complain. Ask. And in verse 5, there's a shift with that powerful word again I told you. He brings his turns and brings his complaint. Verses 1 and 2, he asks 3 and 4. Now verse 5. But that great conjunction and transition word, I have trusted in your faithful love. He's trusted. In the faithful love of God, it forces him to turn. Remember I told you there is a choice. That word, that conjunction, but, marks the choice in David's heart. It's the decision he's making to shift from ask to trust. Remember, we don't want to get caught and stuck in the ask. We have to keep moving. And that's what we see David, David doing here. He makes this shift. Trusting is believing what you know to be true even when the situation in front of you challenges that fact. Trusting is knowing and believing what you know to be true, even when the current situation in front of you challenges that fact. David lays that out and gives that to us. And then the rest of this psalm, he gives us three statements of affirmation of trust in verses 5 and 6. And my hope for you is this morning... These will not just be empty words to you, but that you will take these words of trust that David pens out in the middle of this difficult time, and you will embrace them with your heart, and that they will be something that you visit time and time again. The first thing David says as he affirms God's trust is, I have trusted in your faithful love. Your faithful love. I have trusted in your faithful love. God can be trusted. We see that throughout all history. He is a person that can be trusted. Our trust in him is not a blind trust. It's a proven trust. It's a trust that you can bank on. God has moved powerfully in throughout history and throughout many of our lives. And through his faithful love to his people, David acknowledges that he can be trusted. And we see that that's real because David takes this painful experience and goes before God and gives it to him like he knows there's nowhere else I can go with this because you have been so loving and so kind to me. In fact, the love that you will find, that faithful love, that word faithful is this love that it's like God cannot not love you. God cannot leave you. He cannot disown you. He is connected in a covenant promise relationship with his children, and he will not disappear in any kind of trial. And that faithful word means it's this lock-solid promise that you've never been promised before in your life that cannot be broken to deliver a love that you will never, ever experience 
experience anywhere in this life from a human being. It's a love that only is in the hand of God that he pours upon his kids. And I think he does it in such a gracious way when we are hurting. He makes himself known through his faithful love. That's the kind of father we have. And every true Christian knows of God's faithful love. That's what it means to be a Christian. You've trusted in what Jesus Christ has done for you at the cross, that he died for your sin. You trust that you are forgiven and made new. You trust that these words are the word of God to shape and mold your life. You trust that he brought you into the family of God and made you a new creation. But here's the deal. Trust does not stop there for the true Christian. Being a follower of Jesus requires that we walk in a continual trust with God. And how do we do that? Through lament. Lament makes that possible. When life is getting hard, we go back and turn to God. We bring our complaint. We ask and we trust. I've been reciting in my head the last few days, verse 5, over and over, but I have trusted in your faithful love, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. His faithful love will carry you, church. It's real. It's there. You may not know it at the time, but when you go through this lamenting process, you can experience that. The second statement David makes is that my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. Suffering never means God has forgotten his children. Never, ever, ever, ever. Time and time again, God meets his children in difficult places, and his presence in that difficulty alone is a sign of his rescue. This statement that David makes connects our suffering with his heart of who he is and the fact that he's in control of the universe, and he is not uh, just catching up with what's happening in your life, but he has a sovereign plan that he's walking out. And when you're hit times of hardship, times of difficulty, times of suffering, you have to remember the movie is not finished yet. That's not the end. God is orchestrating all these things according to his plan. He has not stopped moving and working. He is constantly moving everything towards his plan for when Christ returns and sets up his kingdom here on earth. The author of the book we've been looking at says this, choosing to trust through lament requires that we rejoice without having all the dots connected. We decide to let God be his own interpreter. That's huge because so many of us try to interpret everything for God. Trusting that somehow his gracious plan is being worked out even when we can't see it. If you're anything like me, you want all the dots connected. If you're anything like me, you want to see everything that's happening and, and bring understanding. But that's not trust. There's many people who say, until I figure it all out and know everything that's going on, I'm not going to trust God. That's not trust. That's just assimilating information. Trust is knowing God is who he is, even when we can't figure it out, even when we don't know what's happening. And this was modeled by our Savior, Jesus Christ. This going through pain and still trusting in God was modeled through Jesus. On the cross, Jesus became our sin. You see, Jesus saw 
what reality was, and God saw what reality was, that God created human beings to be in this perfect, amazing relationship with him, but then sin and rebellion entered the heart of humans. We rebelled against God in Genesis, and now there's a separation between God who makes us whole and alive and us who were broken in our sin. And when God saw that, he brought Jesus to earth, and Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life for us, went to a cross, and on the cross it says, he who was not sin became our sin. So now on the cross, Jesus takes our sin. God the Father pours out his wrath on his son. That had to be excruciating to the Son of God, who lived in perfect community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, before the earth was even here. They had no beginning. They always were connected. And now on the cross, God the Father has to turn and break that perfect communion and pour out his wrath for sin. Why? So you and I, through faith in Christ, can be brought back into a perfect relationship with God the Father excruciating pain that Jesus went through. Why did he do it? Because of the joy set before him when he saw this amazing reunion with us broken, sinful people now covered under his righteousness, presented before God the Father for an amazing relationship with him. He can be trusted. And while we might not have the full picture, we still need to trust the last statement that David made is that the Lord has treated him generously. Generously. We've moved through the tough questions to a God-centered worship. David allowed lament to reorient his heart to realize that he can praise God, that he can thank God in the midst of difficulty because God has been gracious. God has been merciful. God has been kind. God saved him from an eternity in hell, which is what we all deserve in our brokenness, but God stopped that. He put together this plan called the gospel. God was not stingy. God was not cheap. God went all out in his generosity to bring us into relationship with him. And lament moves us to this process where we can truly embrace that in our pain in an authentic way that's not just cover up fake Christian culture, but as real life faith in Christ. That's the gift that lament gives us. The author who wrote this book again, Pastor Mark, when he was going through the loss of his daughter, he and his wife lost their daughter at a young age, excruciatingly painful. And he discovered this process of lament. And the day before the funeral, he wrote a letter to one of his mentors who was a pastor. And the pastor wrote back to him and he said this phrase, he said, keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting. Keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting. See, the greatest thing about moving to trust and lament is it's not done out of our own personal willpower. It's not done because we have the gumption to make this choice to move from lament. It's done because the Savior, Jesus Christ, who knows pain, who sympathizes with us, who empathizes with us, picks us up and carries us to a place of trust with God the Father. We can't trust God without God. We need Jesus, the Son of God, to pick us up and carry us to that place where we experience his faithful love, where we experience his goodness, where we experience the fact that he meets us in our hurt. And he moves our hearts to trust beyond the pain. And we get there through this process of turning, through this process of bringing our complaint 
through this process of asking, and then finally to trust. Picture with me three different types of Christians. The first one was hurt by somebody in church, hurt deeply by something that was said, gossip situation, whatever it was, they were hurt deeply. And they finally go to worship service, they pray, and they say, you know what, I'm going to forgive that person. In fact, I'm going to go tell that person I forgive them. And they go to that person, they say, you know what, I forgive you because you did this to me, and 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 this anger unleashes out of their heart. That's not forgiving that person. That person needs to lament. That person needs to go back and turn to God, pour out the complaint of how bad that hurt, ask God to bring healing. And then when that process has happened, ask for forgiveness to that, for that uh, incident and how you felt. And if God leads you, you go to that person and say, I just want to say there's a lot of crazy things that happen, and I hope you would forgive me, but I just want to tell you I forgive you. You see, they have to go to lament. Picture with me another Christian who's laying in their bed at night, and they're going through a difficult time, and it's so hard, they don't even think God is real. They think this whole thing was just a sham. This whole thing of Christianity, isn't, it's all fake. And then all of a sudden, they feel so guilty about that feeling that they would say that this is all fake and not real, but they don't know how to handle the pain and how to just deal with this feeling of fakeness. They need to lament. They need to go to that place where they turn to God and they pour out the complaint and say, it feels like you're fake, and they ask for his help and then they trust. Or number three Christian that's gone through an excruciating, painful thing and they feel God has left them. They need to lament. They need to go and turn to God, pour out their heart to him, ask that he would heal, and then trust that he would do that. We need to become people who lean into the pain, not run away from it. Because when we lean into the pain, we meet God in such a powerful way that he draws us closer to him. But why would we do that? Why lean into the pain? I was wrestling with that this week. In all honesty, I was talking to another pastor. And a pastor's life can be a weird life because you get involved with this group of people and their pain, and you feel it, and you ache for them. And then moments later, you're involved with this group of people and their pain, and you feel it, and you ache, and you lament with them. And then you get involved with this group of people and their pain, and this group of people. And I said, why on earth would a human being take their heart and put their heart, let it be stomped on here, let it be stomped on there, let it be stomped and continually be stomped? Like, this is crazy, why would a human being do that? It's better off to be a pastor that just locks yourself in an office, buries your nose in books, never touches the people, never goes out to the people so you can preserve your heart. Why would you do that? Here's the thing. It's not just pastors. You do the same exact thing. You're confronted with pain, and you ask yourself, why should I deal with that? Why move into that? Why lean into that? Why not just self-medicate? Why not just run? Why not just pretend it's not there? Why on earth would we lean into the pain? I wrestled with that question this week, going through a real difficult time. And you know what I realized? You know why we lean into the pain? Because that's exactly what our Savior Jesus Christ did. 
he could have escaped pain, but he leaned into it in a way that we will never ever be able to fathom in our minds. He experienced a separation, a physical horrible pain, an emotional tormenting pain, a mental pain that would break down any normal human being. And he calls us to enter into that pain with him. And why did he do it? He did it out of love. His faithful love for us. For God so loved the world, he entered this pain to bring us back into a loving, kind relationship with God because he saw us lost. He saw us broken. He saw us unable to fix ourselves in a helpless state, and we didn't even know we were in that place. And while not knowing we were in that place, God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, down to identify with our pain, to go to a cross, to bring us healing, and the whole motivation was love. It was love. So why do we lean in as pastors? Why do we lean in the pain as people? Because that's what Christ calls us to do. And in the process, we become more like him. And his goal is not our comfort. His goal is not our security. His goal is that we become Christ-like. And pain is a tool he uses. So my invitation to you as we wrap this up is two things. That you adopt this thing called lament and make it part of your spiritual journey. To make it part of your life. And I'm going to give you two resources that can help you do that. First of all, the author that wrote this put a devotional together that's on version. Some of you like those version Bible plans. There's one for this actual thing called Learning to Lament by this Pastor Mark Vrogop. And he will take you five days through a devotional this week. You can do one each day on version to help solidify what we've been talking about the last four weeks in your heart daily these next five days. The other thing you can do is take Psalm 13 in a notebook and read verse 1 and 2 and write turn and complaint. And then you can write out your complaints from your heart. And then you can read verses 3 or 4 and write ask. And then you can write out the things that you're asking for God right now and what you want. And then you can write trust and read verses 5 and 6 and write your own statements of trust to God. God, I trust you because you are loving and kind. Somebody wrote this about lament. said, this is how lament has served me and countless other believers. Tear-filled prayer turn, wrestling through tough questions, complaint and ask, looking and looking my life on the promises, or I'm sorry, banking my life on the promises of God are all part of the journey to keep me trusting. Learning to lament leads to trust. When we lament, we're pulled into the heart of God and the defenses in our lives are broken down so that we can trust him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this gift called lament. And God, I just ask, as we now come and affirm your trust by singing the song we are about to sing, that you would meet us in this place powerfully. That you would pull down the defenses that we may have stiff-armed when we feel like we've asked and you haven't responded. God, I ask that you'd renew our trust in you. I ask that we as the people of Crossview Church would be people who become experts at lament, 
that we be people who know how to deal with pain well based upon the gift that you gave us. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please stand.
church family to declare an affirmation of trust of God even when it hurts and this gift of lament is there for us not to blow off the pain not to paint whitewash over it and fake but it legitimizes the pain and brings God into it to lift our hearts what a gracious amazing gift take this blessing with you on your week may this good good father who wants what's best for us who, given, who has given us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who empathizes with us and cares for us through the power of the Holy Spirit, carries us to healing and wholeness in him. Be with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed week.